0: Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned, as together we'll study God's Word.
1: Hey, welcome home, PCC. I'm so grateful for this time. We're doing something unprecedented. We're going to have a family discussion. I'm going to warn you from the start, it's going to be raw. It's going to be real. But I hope it's empowering, because that's why we exist, right? To empower the generations to passionately follow Jesus. We're talking about race today in light of national events that we just can't walk away from. We want to be as a church, like the men of Issachar in the Old Testament, in that Second Chronicles verse, who saw the times and knew how to act. Our times are unprecedented not just with the COVID virus, but now with a racial pain that's erupting all over the country, really, where people are showing up. And so as a church, we wanna talk about this because our heart and at the heart of Jesus is to be a multi-ethnic community. Reconciliation is the heart of the gospel. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 27, Paul talked about a community that God wants. And literally it says, since we're all God's children through Christ, we are neither Jew nor Greek. We are neither uh, male nor female. We are neither slave nor free. In other words, this called out community called the church has no classism, has no racism, has no sexism. We are one in Christ Jesus. And friends, that was countercultural to the first century Roman Empire. It will be countercultural today in the church. So with me today are three dear friends, very close friends of mine. Gary Robinson has been attending PCC for over 20 years with his wife, Brenda, and his two daughters, Joy and Leanne. Leslie Dubridge has been attending PCC since 2014, and she attends with her husband, Scott. And then Ian Pitter, our worship pastor, he's been attending for 18 months. He's a rookie, but he's here with his wife, Tracy, and his four kids. So let's get at it. Ian, take it from here.
0: Let's just cut right to it, man. Let's just, let's just dive in. Um, and uh, so the, the last number of weeks, recent weeks, we've uh, seen three uh, major shootings or killings, even murders um Breonna Taylor, um, ahmad Aubrey, George floyd and um, and and this is really a situation where we're saying, come on man, again, really, we're here again. Um, let me ask you wh- how has this affected you? what has your reaction been and I'll start with you, Gary, what was your reaction been to um the most recent events?
2: I guess Ian, I would say. First off, I say, again, we're here again, and now how careful we are, here we are again. So, yeah, I think I were, we were in shock, because I wouldn't lean on my dog that way. Mm. So, for to see this, I can't watch the video now, but I just, I can't even hear it, but it just plays over and over in my mind that, This
0: is the reality that we live in today, again.
3: Leslie? Yeah. um, I feel like I went through the five stages of grief, and I'm still there. I'm still within the five stages. Um, Anger, as Gary said, I'm feeling um, in denial in one regard, because, as Gary said also, here we are again. Um, I, I just, my heart started breaking. When I kept hearing, and one of the, tapes with um, George Floyd, when he said, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I was saying, there by the grace of God, I'm so glad not one of my five brothers is under that man's knee. Um, I feel so bad for the family.
2: I think what was, 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 was hard for me was not just seeing the man with his, with his,
3: with his knee on the
2: back, but how casual and relaxed the other three were. And that casual level of violence, just for me it was jarring because it just says that we don't have to actively participate in these events in order to be culpable. Yeah. And I think it spoke more to our society than the actual cop who had his knee mm-hmm. on the neck. It was almost figurative rather
0: than actual. You know, uh, as I I thought through it and as I looked at it, um, I've just, it's been like a nightmare for me. For some reason, specifically this most recent murder of George Floyd, it's been like a nightmare. And then all of a sudden, um, just trying to relay to my kids, my youngest kids in particular, um, you know, what it's about. Um, and trying to let them understand um, what this is about, how this came about, Mm -hmm. even why, possibly why it came about, and uh, trying to relay relay that to a kid, you know, seven, eight, Mm -hmm. nine-year-old, ten-year-old, and to, you know, have them try and understand that actually this is a problem Mm -hmm. um, that you're going to have to deal with yourself um, because you're black kids too to be candid, and um, so, yeah, just trying to process how do we raise our kids, um, what are those rules that we we all talk about, what are those rules that we need to put in place, um, we need to drum home to them. Mm-hmm. There's certain things that you don't do, there's certain things you don't say, there's a certain way that you have to react um, because, uh, unfortunately, because of the color of your skin.
1: And, uh, so can I just interject there, like sure. as, you know, I was introduced to the term white privilege. Uh, this is part of the white privilege that uh, I grew up with, where I never had those rules. Uh, and I would just like to ask, in essence, what was that talk that that maybe you had? How was it different for you as a kid? Gary, we've been in a men's group for 20 years, so I, I know that if you could tell that story about even about how you had to vacation and what have you. This is the privilege that I want uh, my white brothers and sisters in our church to understand with that term white privilege. It's not offensive, it's just a privilege.
2: I guess I would say first off that since I can remember my father raised me with a set of rules and I was wondering where those rules came from, why he believed in them with such ferocity and those were translated to me as just being hard on me you need to be better. You need to be perfect. You need to be. Pre- I had these rules. And I didn't realize that my father, when he was a kid, I think he was 12, he was lippy at the store where he lived in Southern Virginia. And unbeknownst to me, until I talked to my aunt this weekend, I learned that night Riders came to this house that night. And the family fled out the back and ran. And he heard his father screaming as they ran. And I think my father, he told told my aunt that I resolved then that that would never happen to my kids and that my kids would be good and better than good. Mm -hmm. And that's why he was so powerful on me. And I have passed that legacy on knowing and unknowingly almost as a matter of breathing to my kids. These rules have been in the back of my mind for a long time, but sometimes I forget myself. So I was on vacation in Tahoe with my family and we – I stopped at a bank with my two small kids, one still in the baby seat in the back of the car. And I was getting out to get, quickly get some cash at the Wells Fargo. And uh, a truck pulled up beside me, rolled down the window looking like it was going to get directions. And the gentleman pulled, rolled, out the wind, rolled down his window and spit on me and yelled some choice slurs. Now, I have a choice because I'm going, no, I, I forgot myself. I need to remember the rules. And I can't go and face my kids and tell them what happened because it's too young for them. But all of that leads to a legacy for me of needing to have rules in order to live and be safe, which is what my father unwittingly
0: taught, taught me. Uh, I'll say, I'll, let me open it to everybody. What has it been like for all of you um, with your neighbor? What has it been like for all of you with your friends? Has anybody, what, what's, their, what's their reactions been?
3: Yeah, um, boy, it's been a lot of mixed reactions. And I know that um, one thing that for me, it's no right or wrong way to react around this. And I had to give myself permission to believe that as much as I was telling other people. Some people feel a sense of deep anger. And it calls me to a book that I read called Call to Forgive, which talks about the Charleston shootings. June fifteenth, 2015 is when they were, and um, it's said in the book, anger can be used in whichever way you choose when you think about being in a home. You can use anger to bring warmth to the home, or you can also bring, it brings fire, or you can bring that fire to destroy the home. Fire to warm, fire to destroy, and anger is very much like that. So the reaction for me is like going through stages of grief.
2: My my hypothesis is if I have experienced outright instances of racism, then people who are white must have experienced at one time or another some form, however subtle, of privilege. I want them to think about those instances and imagine their children and their spouse experiencing the opposite of that before their eyes. Then I ask, what would you do to live in a society where you didn't have to see your children experience that? What would you do? What would you give up? What would you commit to do?
1: And I just want to say, uh, you know, it's really on us to find... um, african-american friends we can reach out to that uh, we are not having you here this sunday to be the one that the whole church calls and takes out to lunch and what have you Um, but i i tend to think the problem was the other way around as a family knowing that these events were watershed events that caused great pain um you know what would you say the person that's in relationship with you that wanted to reach out but didn't know what to say knowing that you were pained uniquely by this uh, metaphoric watershed event?
0: I, I, I often feel like um, we, we need to be bold in these situations.
1: Bold and distinguished? Bold in these situations. Yes,
0: yeah. yeah. So, um, if, you, if you're my brother, you're going through something, regardless of what it is, um, you would expect me, because of our relationship, to reach out, throw an arm around you outside of COVID and, uh, and, and be with you, walk alongside you, pray with you, talk with you, say, dude, I'm here. I'm here for you, whatever you need. And whatever that might be, if you're grieving over a death, if you've had a, some kind of issue that's come up, whatever that might be. Um, and so I think it's the same in this situation. I think it's... Um, why get stuck on words? Why, why even if you, you're unsure what to say, it means a lot to reach out and say, you know what? Um, I see this and I realize it might be affecting you like in a whole nother way than it is affecting me. I care about it, but I realize this is um, affecting you because of the color of your skin too. Um, I, think, I think that means a lot, it goes a long way. And my encouragement is don't stutter, don't hold back have the conversation because I think not having the conversation is kind of part of why we're here.
2: Yeah. Right now. And, and I just want to, I want to make sure people in, uh, that people understand that there's no points off for being awkward. We know there's going to be discomfort. That's okay. You know what? You don't have to use words. Just say, Hey, I see you and I'm with you. How can I be an ally? Right, and an ally doesn't stand by while their al- while their friend is hurting. They come alongside and say, "How can I stand with you? How can I fight for you? How can I help with healing?" Because that's what allies do for one another. You're right, Ian. Uh, my, I think I also want to speak to people who may not have a person of color in their life, because I think. It's more the norm than not on this peninsula. And I would say, this doesn't have to be a family member, or this needs to be someone in your orbit. They still want to hear from you. And I would invite you to just sit in that, and sit in the relationship with full humility. It may be awkward, there may be some tense moments, but the goal, again, is how do you build family and spread the love of Jesus Christ, and demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ, and sometimes use words while doing it.
1: Can I just say real fast, it'll be in the in the gathering notes, um, but we had this opportunity to build a bridge with 100 families on the eastern part of our city. For three months, uh, through a grant, we're going to providing food in a box and other things uh, every week for three months. And it's going to be exchanged family to family. So... I guess I would say if you don't have that, even if you do, we need 100 families to step up and we're going to build a relationship like that across a divide.
3: That, that's compassion right there. Yeah. And we know that um, the Scripture teaches us that Jesus um, said to weep with those who weep, right? And uh, rejoice with those when they rejoice. And this is a time to meet people where they are. And if you don't know as... Others have said if you don't know what to say, I think silence is the biggest way. What I mean, silence with eye contact, silence with presence, not silence, not doing anything and not being there, but just picking up the phone or just watching someone, even at a six-foot difference, putting their thumbs up, I'm here for you, virtual hug. Virtual hug, it may sound so silly, but it would mean a lot to someone. On On that,
0: what more could we do um, to kind of help root out the symptoms of racism, what what, what are those things that we can do?
2: Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a great question. I think first and foremost, Colossians three says, "Are we prepared to put off our old self and put on our new self in the power of Jesus Christ? Are we prepared to do that?" Then, what can you do to get you, to ed- get educated more about? what justice truly looks like in the context of race. And how can, and I would just ask people to pray for how God can, how is God specifically calling them to act? Because I I don't suspect that it's enough for us to say, well, we're just going to pray for our society and then just go back into our cloistered world where there's no POCs and we're all comfortable. Mm -hmm. Right? We need to challenge. We need to be challenging. God is challenging us. To a different and new and sustainable reality because we can't go backwards. We can't go
3: backwards. I think Jesus is telling us, God is telling us to step up. Absolutely, this is a time for moving forward. And I believe that um, if we move forward unapologetically, if we walk in boldness in the word and sharing with people with grace and humility that was mentioned earlier, I think we're gonna start seeing some of that change. And I believe reaching out, as I said earlier, going outside of your comfort zone, there are organizations upon organizations, even on this peninsula, even down the East Palo Alto of people that, and organizations that need help, that need someone with a, an encouraging face to do four things, I think. One is to encourage and affirm the existence of that person just as God loved us and embraced us. And to say, you are embraceable. You are one to be loved. Um, Also, to help them with tools, um, especially our young people that are going up. You talked about your dad, which is really great. I'm grateful to have my mom and dad who told me, you know, you're going to have to really, really focus on education, because that's going to be a huge key for you um, out of the financial circumstances where we find ourselves now. But aside from that. You, you, you need a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the foundation, because through that, as God is doing the sanctifying work, I believe our response when crises happen will begin to shift, because our responses will be right-sized to what God wants, not what we want. And our best day, I think, when we think that we could reconcile, Jesus is the ultimate reconciler. And so that's the time to buckle down in prayer to pray with the leaders, the black leaders in the com- community, not just NAACP, but other local groups that are out there trying to do things to right-size justice. I,
2: I just have to say that I know that people may feel like, God, I gotta rush out and I gotta do something right now. You can do something right now and tonight with your family, which is Talk about this. Talk about what happened. And share where you think you might have failed and what you can do better on. Can you with full honesty say that you've been an ally or have you been silently complicit? Not out of wanting to be evil, but out of a desire to be safe or comfortable. I mean, as you said, we are called out of our comfort zone. The glass has been shattered. We can't glue it back together in the same way again. Are you prepared to, within your family, within your circle of loved ones, resolve to be differently, different, and speak that truth to each other amidst prayer and amidst really finding the right place to reach out? Because I think that just change doesn't start within the heart. We can't legislate this. We can't change this through just strictly through politics. We can't legislate the human heart. But the human heart has to change.
0: What is it that you see, uh, or what, let me say it like this what would you say to your PCC family uh, about uh, some steps that we could take towards being more multicultural, more of a diverse? congregation ethnically.
2: I guess I would start with see people and truly see and be with them. It's not enough to be polite. It's not enough to say, hey, I'm nice to them, I'm okay. See and try to be in community with someone who is a person of color because you're not going to get a chance to actually invite them here and have them be comfortable unless they know that you are a true friend and you have an authentic relationship with them. If PCC is going to look like heaven, that's how I like to call it, then we're going to have to be in community with people that we can invite here. And I say that to myself as well. And I think, I know, Gary, that you want this. I think my challenging question to the, to my brothers and sisters at PCC is, do you want this? And that's something that you need to really ask yourself because it's not gonna be comfortable for you all the time, but it is gonna look like heaven.
1: And do you want it means are we willing to pay the price yes. and lay down our rights yes. for that?
2: Yeah, and are you willing to fight through your discomfort? Are you willing to fight through your rights or what you feel like is your, are your prerogatives? So Gary, you're right on the
0: money.
1: And how would you answer that?
0: Um,
1: so I served
0: before I came here in a church that was probably one of the, they say on paper, one of the most diverse churches in the country. Mm-hmm. And so there was just some things that we were really intentional about. So we were intentional about trying to lay down um the the me mm-hmm. the the culture that i'm used to mm-hmm. but trying to embrace the we mm-hmm. so what is the what is it that we can all enjoy and we can all be a part of um as the worship and creative arts director here even like music music's so powerful we know that oh. even musically does everything has to be does everything have to be k love does everything have to be out of the traditional hymn all the time i mean what are the and the styles we play does it all have to be that same style so uh, what does that what does that look like how How does somebody from another culture feel comfortable feel at home when they come in um, and so what does the platform look like? Yeah. How diverse is the platform? How diverse is our staff there's just a, a whole ton of different things that I think that um, yeah that we that we we can look at and so um, that's, that would be my initial upfront response. Mm-hmm. And I know for sure that we're, we are talking about it from a leadership uh, perspective for sure. sure. And uh, But yeah, my prayer is that really we'll we'll get to a point where we look around one Sunday and all of us are smiling and we say, whoa, this is heaven. This is that, it.
3: We're getting a glimpse of it right, right now. Yeah.
4: message, wherever you stand, calling everyone, calling every man, we're the generation, can't afford to wait, the future started yesterday, we're already late, we've been looking for a song to sing, searching for a melody. Searching for someone to leave, we've been waiting for the world to change, Maybe you feel the same, go on and say, if you're out there, sing along with me, if you're out there, I'm dying to believe that you're out Stand up and sing it loud if you're out there. Tomorrow, starting now. Whoa. whoa. No more broken promises. No more calls to war. Unless it's love and peace that you're really fighting for. We can destroy hunger We can conquer hate Put down the arms and raise your voice We're joining hands today I was looking for a song to sing A search for a leader The leader was me, oh We've been waiting for the world to change We can be heroes Go on and say if you're out there Sing along with me if you're out there I'm dying to believe that you're out there Stand up and sing it loud if you're out there Tomorrow starting now Whoa Started yesterday
0: we' are already late let's speak to this ever heard this I'm colorblind is that real can 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 anybody relate to that be in color are you actually can we be colorblind I, I,
2: I, would, I would absolutely call somebody out on trying to say I'm colorblind because we all see color. I go, do you go to Baskin-Robbins? Mm-hmm. How do you tell your flavors apart, my brother? <laughs>
3: right?
2: You can see color. What are you really trying to say? What they're really trying to say is, hey, I don't distinguish between people of color and those who are not. And I would say, look around at your world that you live in and who you're hanging with.
3: Do you see color? I would just add to that that um, when people say, I'm colorblind, um, I'm not a racist, they're basically a part of the problem. And to be part of the solution is to have to agree that you do see the color. And not just the color, but you see the characteristics that come along with that person of color. Um, You cannot separate the two. I'm just looking at this picture here of, of, of me with my, my little Caucasian doll. There was no option to have a black doll when I was growing up. So um, I, I, I knew that she was different. I knew that she had hair that was different from mine and like your nieces. I was trying to make it mine like hers, and there was no way that I could. And that was a, a, my first learning moment, my first challenge around who really am I? But I don't look pretty like this doll. And I'm sure some of you have heard of that that test, that doll test with the black yeah. girls, with the girls that were mm-hmm. going and the dolls were out, which ones are pretty and beautiful. So what comes along with that is so much psychological pain that can come also just by um, the way we market, the way we produce things and not other things. Um, now it's a vast difference, but back when I was There's growing that. up, That's all we had, Mm. so I can identify with comparing yourself to a doll.
0: What would you say to the person who says,
1: I'm not racist, specifically the white person?
2: I would say, if you're walking down the street at night, and you see a person of color, what happens to your body? Do you get scared? who's in your friend group I keep going back to this because it's like your life tells me your life tells you a lot about who you are and when you're mad what are you thinking because everybody has even black people have a component of of racism in there because that's part and parcel of the culture that we've been raised in so it's Racism is is a human condition, not a divine condition, but it is, everyone has it.
3: It is, and some benchmarks you can think about when you even check yourself, am I racist or am I not? You think about someone of color, let's say you're Caucasian American, and you see someone of color and you automatically assume something that they're going to say or want from you or you're trying to figure them out as you're going up rather than if it was one of your Caucasian American friends they're just coming up but your mind has to go through these compartments of all these different things of what can I say what can I not say um, the other aspect is if your gross generalizations right we say what are we gonna have we'll have you over for dinner and assume let's say that person wants chicken um, these type of things are damaging and you say that you're not a racist And then you tell someone uh, that you know very closely that this particular person I can highly recommend, even though they're African-American. That's a racist statement. So you think about what you say in any given day in business, at home, um, even in social gatherings.
1: It just seems to me that if we're for life, uh, it just seems like a great contradiction that we can't stand and allow black lives to matter. So that would lead me to
0: this. In, uh, so somebody says, uh, you know, we've got this movement, Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. But their response is, no, all lives matter. It's about everyone. It's not about just black people. All lives matter. What's your response to that? How do you respond to that?
2: My answer is, I agree, all lives matter. And Black Lives Matter. And and let me just give you an example. If you're on a street and, the, and your home was burning and your neighbor's homes were intact and the police and the fire people came and said, hey, all these homes matter. So we're going to spray down the homes, including those that aren't burning. But believe me, we'll get to yours. That's like saying all lives matter to a black person. We're not saying only black lives matter. We're saying black, mat- black lives matter also. And black lives are on fire. That's the
1: realization people need to come to. Hey, so this has been a rich discussion, and I thank you for the vulnerability and the grace that you're giving, not only in this discussion, but you've given in your time here uh, and the perseverance you've given to enable PCC to look more like heaven. Uh, They reference that, but in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it talks about around the throne room of heaven, people from every tribe, language, people, culture, worshiping the Lord. And that's what we're referring to. We know Jesus commanded us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we know this is at the heart uh, of the gospel, the heart of who God is. So as we close, I'm gonna ask one of you, Leslie, maybe you could pray us out, and then we're gonna go actually to see a glimpse of heaven uh, in this um, video called the Bay Area Blessing, which actually premiered uh, a a week ago Friday, and we closed our service with it. It's just fitting we do it again. We need God's outpouring of blessing to help us grow through this. Want to encourage you to go to the resource tab, Click on the gathering page, resources, and you'll see uh, books that we're recommending that we're going to actually really encourage you to read, passages, tangible steps, what we can do. PCC, again, this is not a secondary issue. We are all in because this, my friends, is a gospel issue. Leslie, close us in prayer.
3: Lord God, we thank you and praise you, Father God. I thank you for my brothers in Christ here on the platform. We thank you, Lord God, that you are God, And we thank you, Father God, that you are in the midst of us even right now through this painful time. We thank you for this opportunity to share our hearts. And Lord, we just ask that, yes, even now, that you begin to do your work, Father God, as only you can, to move hearts to move minds, Lord God, to move perspectives around, Lord God, so that they would see your son, Jesus Christ, that they would see more of you, Lord God, that you would be glorified, Father, and that you would do a new thing here, even through this pain, Lord God, that you would just move through it, Lord God, and raise us up and help us to be who you want us to be for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen.
0: Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for
3: We Are PCC.